Isn't it good to be here this morning? Aren't you glad to be in God's house today? Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to continue in the book of James. Uh, we'll be in chapter 3 this morning. And uh, again in verse 1, while you're turning there, uh, I'm going to go ahead and read this now. Um, I was told I could do it at announcement time. I'm give you all a little time to uh, find that scripture, James chapter 3. Um, and what I have is an invitation. It says, because um, we love because he first loved us. 1 John 4, 19. Benjamin Ryan Wax and Natalie Nicole Porterfield request the honor of your presence as they unite in marriage on Saturday, the 17th of April, 2021, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon at the Hope Vineyards, which is located at 2190 Houston Cemetery Road, Rainbow, Tennessee. And then the reception will follow immediately there uh, at the Hope Vineyards. And so we're going to need an RSVP, so we don't have any folks to feed for, to fix food for, and so forth. So uh, need to respond by March the 21st, 2021, and number of persons. It is on Saturday, the 17th of April, 2021. <laughs> 2021. And we'll, we'll post this on the board and the diet book or whatever uh, as well. But I did want to share it with you. And uh, let, me, let me just say this because Natalie was very concerned about missing somebody, forgetting somebody, leaving out somebody's address, not having the address or whatever. So she just opted to get the. Uh, invitation to the church of us invite the whole church. So, you are invited. Okay? Alright, so let's go to James chapter 3. And I'm going to tell you all, this is a very difficult passage for me. And it's a difficult topic for me because I like to talk. I am a talker sometimes. So what does James chapter 3 talk about? Controlling the tongue. You have the same subtitle I do, don't you? Uh-huh. <laughs> You, you must have a, 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 a Hebrew Greek study Bible. <laughs> Controlling the tongue. So, so now I'm going to ask this question, and I don't know if it kind of goes in that. I'm going to ask this question. How many of us, do not raise your hand, just want you to think about it. How many of you feel like you have 100% control of your tongue? <laughs> mm. Me neither. <laughs> That's all I'll say about that. And we'll move on. But uh, we're going to see some things, see what the scripture says, and just try to share some thoughts. And, and more so than anything else, we're going to almost do a verse by verse uh, through this today. Uh, but I want to read the entire thing for you. Chapter 3, verse 1 says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and they will also the bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about in their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listed. Even so, the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. 
So in the tongue, so is the tongue among our members, that it, de that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things of the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my children, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Now I'm going to stop there. Uh, we could we could actually make a case for going on and putting the rest of this with the tongue, and, and it actually is, but we'll, we'll try to get through this part, and we'll save that for next week, maybe. Uh, but here's what we want to think about. Who contained the tongue? Who contained the tongue? Well, I'm going to tell you this, and, and uh, you know, you, you probably will find this very difficult to believe. My brother Wayne was here. He would tell you, believe it. It's all true. Uh, when I was very young, very little, uh, I probably had the foulest mouth of any kid you ever met uh, in, in this world, definitely in my area. Um, I, I learned some bad things, and I said what I learned, and, you know, and, and it, was, it was not unusual at all. Uh, for me to let out string the bad words. But uh, when, when the Lord saved me, he changed my life. And that went away. And so I felt pretty good about it. And I still feel good about it. And you know, I, I just don't, and it's on you. It's not, and I know people tell me sometimes things will happen. They say, ooh, that's enough to make a preacher cuss, ain't it? And, and, and really it doesn't bother me. It doesn't make me to the point that I want to cuss. I don't get to the point I want to cuss. I just don't want to do it. Or curse. Let me, which way is it? What do y'all say? Southern is cuts. It's cuts. <laughs> I can guarantee you. And I'm out of southern as you get, I guess. Unless you go on down a little further. Uh, but anyway, I, you know, I, just, I don't ever have that urge. It just That urge is no longer there. It's just gone. It's gone. And, and I, I don't want anybody think I'm picking on them. I don't mean to at all. But it's kind of like smoking. People tell me, I, couldn't, I just couldn't survive without a cigarette. Well, sure you can. Uh, I used to smoke. And I, I, I you know, I... Tried to stop, and then I would start back, and I would stop, and I would start back, and finally one day, and, and probably not the best example was set for you, but I was actually driving, and uh, I was going across Arkansas, and uh, I was in a, in a box truck driving that truck, and that was my excuse, Tom, was I, I use cigarettes to stay awake, or cigars to help me stay awake, and, you know, real truck drivers use coffee, don't they? And uh, I never learned to drink coffee, so I'm not a real truck driver, but anyway... Uh, you know, I'm going across Arkansas, and there I was, and I had stopped, and I, I thought, man, I'm so sleepy sometimes. So I stopped, bought me a pack of cigarettes and a box of matches, and I'm going down the road, and I lit the first cigarette, and I'm smoking. I had about three draws off of it. And it's just like the Lord spoke to me and said, Drew, why are you doing this? This is so stupid. And, and I thought, you know, you're right. And I thumped it out the window. Shouldn't have done that. But I did. I thumped it out the window. And they threw the food pack of cigarettes out the window and they threw the box of matches out the window. So somebody found them some treasure that day, I guess. <laughs> but, I, you know, I did away with it. I haven't touched one since. Now, I will tell you this. There was a period of time for a little while thereafter that it, the only time it really bothered me was after a meal. Because I always liked to have a cigarette after a meal. Uh, so anyway, 
you know, it didn't bother me for a little while, but I got over it. I never had an urge to smoke anymore. In fact, if I'm around somebody that is smoking while I'm around them, I'm like, okay, as long as I stay, uh, you know, what is it? Is it upwind? I stay upwind of the smoke or whichever way. I don't want to blow it on me, is how I'm going to put it. Uh, but anyway, you know, it's, it's a, I'm okay. I'm not going to be offensive to them. <laughs> I don't mean to be offensive to me, right? But God takes those urges away from us. But it takes time and it takes practice. Well, I want you to know that, that I felt like the tongue is kind of conquered because I, I got rid of the cursing. And, and that is a, a big accomplishment. And you don't know how big of an accomplishment it was in my life. Uh, my life would be totally different today had that, that not happened. But I think we got to go much deeper than that. Much deeper than that. That's what the scripture does. And, and I want to tell you this in the beginning. Uh, two things I want you to know. First off, uh, he begins this passage with my brethren. My brethren. So he's, I think he's talking to believers primarily. But he said, my brethren, be not many masters. And, and the word masters, if you have a different translation than the King James Version, probably uses the word teachers. Uh, anybody have the word teacher? Uh, somebody has that? Yeah. Okay. So, and that's literally what the masters means. It's teachers or, or those in that, that position of leadership or authority. So, uh, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. And I need you to know the word condemnation is a word that means judgment. You may have the word judgment in your translation or greater judgment. Um, and, you know, I'm going I'm to do this and and run it on out there. And I've said this a million times, and the Lord just spoke to me this morning and said, you know, you've said this again and again, but be careful how you say it. And what I've said again and again is that, that why do we hold preachers to a higher standard? See, I can talk about preachers because I am one. But, but preachers are held to a higher standard. Do you agree? Should they be? Well, why? Because they're human. They're human. We're subject to like passions as you all, right? Okay, and we agree on that, and I agree with you 100% on that. However, I could very easily say, read this passage as, my brethren, be not many pastors, knowing that you shall receive the greater condemnation. And that word condemnation, I told you it's the word judgment, but it carries with it the, 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 uh, the intent, the thought, the leadership, the guidance. You know, they're going to be judged with a greater condemnation because they're in a leadership position. Now, I'm sorry? Responsibility. Absolutely. Responsibility. And if, if, I am, if I am, you know, teaching things from the pulpit that are misleading, then I'm not only responsible for my faults, I'm responsible for the faults of many, perhaps a whole congregation. As a teacher, you know, Man, I love you so much. I hope you know that. <laughs> we used to have three or four teachers, and so it was easier. I could, I could choose around. But, but as a teacher, you know, if, if, if I go into a classroom as a student, and I've got a math teacher who says, now class, today we're going to learn our pluses, and one plus one is three, and two plus two is five, you know, and, and that's all I ever learned, then I've learned wrong. And so my whole class may have learned it wrong, and so my teacher becomes responsible for that whole class's misknowledge, if I could use this. I don't their, their wrong knowledge. So, so that's the picture that he's drawing for us in the very beginning. 
And having said that, I want to carry you back to another uh, verse of Scripture in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Anybody know what that says, what, what Matthew 28, 19, and 20 is? It's a great commission where Jesus said, and if you if you got the red letter edition, it's written in red. Mark Lowry said, Jesus wrote that with his own hand. We put it in red because it could have been his blood that they wrote it in. You know, those kind of things. It's written in red. It's the words of Jesus. And it says, go ye therefore and, do, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen is what the scripture says. So he tells us in Matthew 28, uh, 19 and 20 that we should go and teach all nations. And then in James chapter 3 and verse 1, he says, Brethren, be not many teachers. Hmm. Is he contradicting himself? No. I think a very literal translation could be that we're not teachers of many doctrines. Okay? That we pray and we allow the Holy Spirit to speak through us rather than you know, I'm going to tell you, I try very hard to do this, and, and maybe I, I get off track sometimes, I try not to, but I try very hard never to give you Ricky 1 and 2. Once in a while I'll tell you, now this is Ricky 1 and 2, but if I'm telling you that, I'm telling you this is what I believe it means. I usually try to study the scripture out, and I try to get cross-references, and I try to go in different directions, and I try to read other commentaries and see what, you know, what, what, what's going on in other people's minds and things, but... I don't want to tell you something wrong about the scripture. I don't want to lead you, to lead you the wrong way. I just don't want to do that. There are those today that will tell you that if you come to church on Sunday, you're going to heaven when you die. And I'm not going to tell you that. There are those that will tell you if you don't go to church on Sunday, you're not going to heaven when you die. And I'm not going to tell you that. I will tell you this. The scripture says, Jesus Christ himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man come to the Father but by me. I'll get hate mail and everything else. We kicked offline, so we're probably not on the, on the podcast. Get hate mail and everything else. But I'm going to tell you something. If you believe the Word of God, then you're not going to heaven anyway other than through Jesus Christ. I don't care what your religion, what your denomination, what your pastor says, or what your preacher says, or what your study guide says, the Word of God says, that you're not going other than through Jesus. Amen. I get a little irritated at funerals sometimes, or about funerals sometimes, because... You know, what people want, and, and I'm just going to be honest with you, and I pray that you do this, but, but what people want, and, and Brother Bill Irvin and I had a discussion about this one time, and, and uh, he told me, he said, there was a guy that one, in the area where he pastored, one of the churches where he pastored, there was a guy that, uh, uh, that had died, and he said, you know, there was no record anywhere of him ever having joined the church, there was no indication in his life whatsoever that he was a believer, and, and Bill said, but I'm not the judge. So I couldn't, I couldn't stand and preach a funeral of him. His family asked him to preach the funeral. And this is a family that never went to church. In fact, was, was notorious for asking the preachers to leave and not come to their house and so on and so forth, those kind of things. And so when he, when he dies, they want a preacher to preach a funeral. You know what his family wanted? They wanted the blessings of God where blessings didn't belong. And Bill said, it's not my job of preaching into heaven or into hell. That was his job while he lived, to make that decision. My responsibility is to share the gospel to those that are there, that they may have comfort, 
and they may have strength to know that there is a heaven to gain, and they can gain it if they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Amen. And guys, that's what I'm going to tell you. And I, I try to make certain that every sermon I preach, you know, somebody said to me one day, said, Preacher, every time you preach, you talk about people getting saved. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Hallelujah, I'm glad you noticed it. <laughs> that's my goal. That's the aim. That's the idea. And I know sometimes church folks, pardon me, sometimes us church folks, uh, we kind of get tired of hearing somebody preach about being saved because we're already saved, right? What about that person sitting next to you that's not? What about that person who's gone to church for 35, 40 years that thought they were saved and all of a sudden one day they recognize something? You know what? I never confessed to sins and asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart. And it happens. It happens. I won't go into my personal testimony, but it happened to me. Guys, listen, we, we need to know that, that, that this, this it's, a, it's a very, very great responsibility when we start sharing the gospel. And I have people, you would not believe some of the doctrine that people believe. And sometimes I tell myself, they didn't get that from the pastor, surely. Surely they didn't get that from the pastor. Hmm. Might have, I don't know. But listen, we need to be Experience in the Word. We need to study the Word, and we need to know the Word so we can share the Word, and we can we can present the gospel in that fashion. Well, James cautions us about being teachers, and some some different translations worded different ways. I think the New International Version says, "Not many of us should presume to be teachers." And what that says to me is, not many of us should think we're teachers because we haven't learned. You know, we haven't, we haven't experienced the gospel, so we shouldn't presume to be a teacher. Another translation says, do not crowd in to be teachers. Many do not crowd in to be teachers. And uh, uh, there was another translation that simply said this, not many of you should become teachers. <laughs> How about that? That's the NIV. <laughs> Is that the NIV? How many of you should become teachers? Okay. Well, let me, let me tell you this. I had some teachers in school that shouldn't have been teachers. Sorry. <laughs> I know y'all are waiting for the rest of that, aren't you? I'm not saying anything. Yet. I'm trying to control the tongue. I'm trying to control the tongue. Mine says, not many should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment. A stricter judgment, yeah. Stricter, stronger, you know, greater judgment. Yeah, absolutely. Well, here's the thing. Let's, let's move on, because I don't want to get hung up on that one slide. And I, don't, I don't believe everybody thinking I think all teachers are bad. I don't think that. Uh, I think even bad teachers can be good. Right? Oh, man. <laughs> There's good in everybody. That's exactly right. Well, he reminds us, just as Teresa just pointed out, he reminds us that teachers are going to be judged by a higher standard. I'm going to tell you something. And I'm sure I'm sure that you've experienced this already, Natalie. I'm sure that, that Tony has experienced it with teaching in the church and Ning and several others of you that are talking, Teresa and Diane, all the other part of the church. Uh, you've experienced this at some point in time. There's things that, that some people do and nobody thinks anything about it. But if you do that, <laughs> they're a Sunday school teacher. They're a preacher. And she leads the music at church. 
<laughs> or he's a deacon. Can you imagine that? He's a deacon. I, I'm, I'm telling you, people always pick on deacons, and I, you know, we, we don't have any active deacons at this point, but we do have two men in our church that are ordained deacons, Kennedy and one or the other. Uh, but I'm going to tell you something. I, I think deacons have been unfairly judged and picked on for a long time. I really do. You know, even, even I have participated in that a little bit. People would always ask me, Preacher, why is it preacher's kids are the worst? I said, because they play with the deacon's kids. I contributed a little. Uh, I had a deacon's day that the the deacon's kids are worse because they play with the preacher's kids and the other kids at church. Oh, it's close, doesn't it? It's close. But we're judged by a higher standard because we have the responsibility of setting the standard. That's why. You know, guys, I'm going to tell you something. If if uh, if if we if we had a a church school, and I'm not advocating starting one. I've been there before, and it's a, it's a huge responsibility. It's a tough job. But if we had a church school, and we decide this is what's going to be taught in our school, and we're not going to teach some of these worldly ideas that are being thrown into the public school system, and, and they're being thrown in fast and hard, and going to get faster and harder. Uh, I do believe. But here's the thing. You know, we're, we're not going to teach evolution, or if we teach it, we're going to teach there's a theory of evolution. I don't have a problem with that, teaching that there's a theory of evolution. But the scripture says this. That's how I believe it will taught. But if, if we do that, we're going to have teachers that we believe teach that. And we're going to ask them that in interviews, right? And so somebody's going to have to be a principal or in charge. We're going to call it that whatever way. And we've got, as a church, we would set that standard. Okay? And if that standard's not met, we're not, we're not judging by what's happening over here or what's happening over here. We're judging by that standard. And God is the standard. And guys, we, we need to know that, that, that we, are, we are responsible for the standard of what's being taught as teachers. When we begin to share the gospel with someone, you need to know this. I'm, I'm almost reluctant to tell you because I don't want to discourage you from sharing the gospel but when you share the gospel, remember that you're not the standard. This is the standard. Amen. Remember that it's not what I think that matters. It's what the scripture says that counts, that's worth something, is what the scripture says. Now, I can share with you my personal testimony, but I need to always tell you, this is what happened in my life. This is my testimony. This is what the scripture says, and this is what happened to me. Now, you know, he cautions us about being teachers, and he reminds us that teachers are judged by a higher standard. And, and here's what we need to know. Why does he do that? Why is verse 1 even there? Okay? He sets the stage for us, telling us that, that you know, and, and it could be translated in this fashion. If you desire the office of a teacher, you need to know that you will be judged by a higher standard. I'm bringing it to modern-day language. If you are in the office of a teacher, preacher, pastor, leader, you have a responsibility and you will be judged by a higher standard. Well, verse 2, he says, For in many things we offend all. Who has, who has the, the NIV translation? I'm going to read verse 2 for me that has a different translation than King James. I don't stumble in any ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body. He will stumble in many ways. Okay? The King James, when it reads, when we read it in the King James, we, we read it as for in many things we offend all. 
And if you, if you read that in just face value, it's like, in many things, I'm offending everybody. Isn't that kind of how you hear it? In many things, we offend all. It's like, in, in many things, I just offend everybody. But what the scripture literally says is, all of us sin. <laughs> all of us have shortcomings. All of us have faults. All of us offend, and the word offend in this passage is not necessarily that I'm upsetting someone else. It is that I am not living up to the standard. If I offend, the offense here is my offense toward God. Okay? So we all have our shortcomings, and we all have our faults, and we need to be very careful about how we live and teach in, in our responsibility. Uh, should should I ask you that question in the beginning? Should preachers be judged by a higher standard? I believe yes. I really do. You know, I, I, I've argued for a long time, and I'll say this to you again. I, I want you to know this is what I believe that uh, you know I'll be judged by the same God that you're judged by, the same gospel that you're judged by. Uh, my responsibility is to to live out that gospel. It's no uh, my sin is no worse than anyone else's sin. Yet I'm responsible for more people. Therefore, I'll be judged by a higher standard. Okay? So, the, the intent is there. He reminds people to be judged by a higher standard. All of sin in many different ways. And then he says in verse 2, If any man offend, not in word. Not in word. And so, I look up this word. In the, uh, in the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, I look up word, in case you need to know, that's reference number 3056. And reference number 3056 for word says, offend not in word, something said, including the thought. <laughs> including the thought. Ooh. Ooh. You may not have a clue what I'm thinking when I say it. But if I'm thinking bad when I say it, it still doesn't sound bad to you. I'm still judged for saying something bad. How about that? Guess what? You are too. Another thing it says is that it's a, a reasoning or a motive. A reason or motive. We offend not in reasoning or motive. Hmm. My words have motives sometimes. I'm going to be honest with you. I pray that every word that I share in this pulpit has a motive. And my motive is that it brings about change in people's lives to bring them closer to God. Or to bring them to a relationship with God. That's what I pray for. You know, a reason or a motive. And then the third thing he says about word in that definition that Strong says is it's account, cause, Communication concerning doctrine. The account of, the cause, or the communication concerning doctrine. What is doctrine? Can you do another word? Gospel, Bible. It's an accounting or a cause or communication concerning the Bible. I want to tell you something. There are those who believe it's okay to deceive people if you deceive them into reading the Bible. <laughs> it's not okay. It's not okay. I can tell you this, and I believe this without a shadow of a doubt, and I, 
I'm trying harder and harder to practice it every day, and I'm struggling to find some ways. I'm, just, I'm telling y'all, I'm struggling right now in our society. I'm struggling right now in our world. I'm struggling. I'm fighting the end about a whole lot of things. I'm biting my tongue on a whole lot of things. So I'm going to tell you something. Uh, you know, we will convince people that the Bible is true, that the Word of God is powerful, and that it alone brings change when we begin to live out the Word of God. It's judged more by how we live than what we say. It's proven better by how we live than what we say. We can, we can stand on top of the Capitol building if we could get there. <laughs> we can stand on top of the Capitol building. We can herald it on Facebook, you know, Twitter, or whatever those things are. Um, what was it you said one of those last summer? Spotify. 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 I won't say Shutterfly. Spotify. Spotify. <laughs> Spotify. We can shout it everywhere. But what's going to make the difference is when we live it. I'm going to have a confession with y'all. I ain't going to lie to you back nothing. I'm going to have a confession with you. I stayed off of Facebook forever. I only got a, I only opened a Facebook account when, uh, when we stopped having services for a little while. We went to the, the Facebook services. And uh, I thought then, I thought, well, if, if I'm going to do that, I need to be able to respond to people and so on and so forth. So I need to have an account, and I do. And every now, once in a while, I check it, and I see things people post. And, and uh, just, just an FYI, uh, I, I go very few times do I go to somebody's personal page, I guess you'd call it, I don't know, the magnifying glass. Very seldom do I go there. <laughs> Usually, I'm just, I just open it up and... What are, is, that, is that my timeline, my newsfeed? What is that? Whatever that thing is. Yeah. That's, that's about what all I see. But I want you to know, sometimes I guess. <gasps> I had no idea those people even knew who God was. And they're posting scripture. Is that a judgmental statement? Absolutely. Is that a judgmental spirit? Absolutely. Am I held accountable for that work? Absolutely. Absolutely. But guys, listen, I want to tell you something. It isn't going to make a difference if we live like the devil and we post all the scripture in the world if we don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. But I also want to tell you this. If I live like the devil and I post scripture on Facebook, I'm being held accountable. God's judging me accordingly. I'm trying to be a teacher. And so now I'm teaching people, it's okay. Read the scripture, believe the scripture, teach the scripture, share the scripture, and live like you won't live. I'll ask you, and, and I want you to think about this. And you don't have to say it out loud. Thank you, please. Uh, but I know that I know it happens too. Sometimes y'all see things that I do and I'll say, he's a preacher. <laughs> I'm, I'm a horrible person. I've, I've got to stay away from sporting events. <laughs> Mm. Now that you know, you said that. It's my worst. It is the absolute worst. Somebody do something to me at work, and I can handle it. Somebody do something to me at home, I handle it pretty good unless it's Charlotte, and then I get all bent out of shape and upset. You know? They're right. I, I, I try not to, I really do. I try to be good. She fusses at me sometimes for not fussing with her. And I consider that a plus. <laughs> I'm sorry, baby. I never do. Um, but every time she says to me, you won't fuss with me. I'm like, Lord, thank you. And I miss that. Uh, but, but, you know, I don't have a bad spirit, I don't think, most of the time. But, 
Um, you know, I'm, I'm the kind of guy that I can I can go to a game and I can I can scream and holler and yell at the umpire, but the game's over, I can shake hands with him and still be friends with him. I was at a basketball game one night, not too many moons ago, and uh, <laughs> I said something. I don't remember even now what it was. I'm bad. I didn't think, but Charles said you never think it's bad. Uh, I don't curse. Um, don't call them names. But, you know, I said something, and the referees came around me, and he said, I thought you was a preacher. I said, I thought you were a referee. <laughs> <laughs> he looked at me like, I mean, so, you're right, honey. you're right. So, so that was what I was going to ask y'all. Was that wrong with me? Sure it was wrong. Yes, it was wrong. You know, uh, but I'm just telling you, we, 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 who we? Mm, this is a hard sermon for me, in case y'all didn't know. It's, it's rough. Uh, we're judged by a higher standard. And, uh, and I remember, I remember, I had a good friend, a good, good pastor friend. I considered him a good friend. And I, and I thought he was a good pastor. He was a great pastor. Great preacher. And, uh, you know, and, and, and his son was involved in the ball, and, and he had some issues at the ballpark, kind of like I did. And, uh, and this church fired me. This fired me. Man, he just he represented us. We just can't do that. You know, y'all should have fired me a long time ago, probably, uh, for that stuff. But here's what the scripture says if we offend not in word, and that word being something said, including the thought, reason, or motive, account, or cause, or communication concerning doctrine, if, if you can offend not in word, if you cannot do that, I like the King James Version. You are a perfect man. God, let me be a perfect man. I, I, I want to not offend in word. Now, does that mean if I never speak a bad word, but I never acknowledge Christ, I'm perfect? No, the word perfect literally is a word that means mature. <laughs> Try Check out this definition for perfect. Complete in various applications of labor, growth, mental, and moral character. <laughs> That's a long stretch of words to say mature. Mature. Grown up. Complete in various applications of labor, growth, mental, and moral character. That would be a perfect man. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, many believers have much to be accountable for uh, we 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 throw out words sometimes without thinking about them. Uh, and then he also says this: if he's if he's able to bridle the body, I mean the tongue, he's able to bridle the whole body. And that literally means he can keep his whole body in check. And then he explains bridling to us in the next verses, right? When he talks about the horse, he says, "Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us." And we turn about their whole body. Maybe that's what you have to do, Charlotte, because, you know, we're going to get together. She's sitting somewhere. She hits that leg. She's like, stop it. Don't say anything. And, and, and she sees something happen, and before I ever say a word, she knows I'm going to. And I'm like, ah, don't do that. Get the elbow sometimes, you know, those kind of things. Maybe we get some bits. Put the bits in. See him on the horse. And, I, and then somebody told me that they can get a horse. I said, I think it's a small horse. So, you know, he, he talks about that. 
They were able to grab the whole body. And he explains in verses 3 and 4 how we control great things with a small thing. We control a huge horse with a set of bits that's in his mouth. Do you know why that is? Anybody have any idea why that is? That you can control a horse with a set of bits? Their mouth is the most tender part of their body. And you use those bits in there amongst their teeth and start wrapping it around and it hurts. Put one in your mouth and rattle it around and see how it feels. I bet people have retainers that say, man, those things hurt. Uh, I never wanted one. I know that. Hey, I'm telling you, flossing is bad enough for me. So we, we control great things. We control ships with a, with a helm or a rudder. You know, that, that the Titanic, as big as it was, it was controlled with a little small helm or a little small rudder. The captain stands up in his cabin up there and, and they have a wheel. That wheel turns the rudder one way or the other is what it does. And it directs the entire ship. Now, I ain't stupid. I know things have progressed a little bit and, and I'm not sure about all of it. But I think on some of them now they actually uh, direct some of the motors, you know. Right? Because the, the helm, the rudder is on the motor itself, and so you turn the whole motor a little bit and it pushes one way or the other. But it's amazing to me how you control something so big and something so small. Something so small. So the tongue, he tells us, is a little member, verse 5. The tongue is a little member, but it's a big fire. I'm going to tell you this. What you speak is you can't ever tell you back. You can't ever take it back. A big fire. And a big fire is caused by a little match sometimes. Remember all those big forest fires that we have all the time out in the out west and stuff? Remember the one we had in Gatlinburg a few years ago that burned down all the beautiful scenery and the cabins and businesses and so on and so forth and churches? You know that came from one little campfire. One little campfire. And it burned all that. Shoot, I, I burn wood for heat, and I got wood racks sitting right there by my heater, and, and it's all outside, of course. And so, uh, one day I was there, and I, I, I came for some. I don't know what I did. Anyway, I stoked the fire, and uh, went on about my business, and I went away for a while, and I came back, and I looked out the window. The whole wood pile, the whole rack of wood was on fire, burning the whole thing, and it all came from one spark that flew out that door when I opened it to stoke the fire and put some wood in. But they had leaves built up around the wood. That one spark got in there and it just starts burning off. All the wood. You know, lots of heat going on, but it was wasted. A little, little spark. A little fire causes a big, big fire. Uh, verse 5, it's a tongue is a little bit with a big fire. Verse 6, with a big fire, it defileth the whole body. Not just part of it, but the whole body. And it sets the course of nature, which literally means it determines our existence. It determines our life, what we're doing, where we're going from there. You know, guys, when we, we listen to hate speech and speak hate speech and bad things and so on and so forth, you know, it kind of sets our tone and our direction. And, and the next thing you know, our whole life is leaning that way. And we've got to be careful of that. Uh, and we got to be careful of it because he tells us very plainly uh, in verse 6, the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature. And, and you know, then he says that, that bold statement, and it is set on fire of hell. 
Can I give you a very little translation? It's fed by the devil. It's fed by the devil. And it's what he wants you to do. And if he can, if he can control our tongue, he can control us. He got us. You know, we, we need to really, really pay close attention to that. No man can contain the tongue, the scripture says. But I skipped the verse. Verse 7 says, Man can contain the beasts of the field, the fowls of the air, the fish of the sea, the reptiles. They can and have. But no man can contain the tongue, it says, I think, in verse 8. No man can contain the tongue. I want to, I want to show you something else. Uh, Romans chapter 3. And uh, verses 13 and 14 says this. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues, they have used deceit. The poison of asps is, in, is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Mm. So he told us about it even over the book of Romans. This isn't something that just James talked about. I believe this is something that that God put in Scripture intentionally more than just once, in more places than just one even. But no man can tame the tongue. The tongue is an unruly evil. According to what he says here in verse 8, it's an unruly evil. It's full of deadly poison. Remember that in Romans, I just read that it has the poison of asps under his lips. Uh, so that, that tongue is full of that poison. And then verse 9, he says, With the tongue we bless God and we curse men who are made in the likeness of God. <laughs> I got to tell you something. You don't want to know. You don't want to hear it. But I'm going to tell you anyway. When you curse man, you're cursing God. Because God created man in his likeness. And that's literally what he's saying in this passage. We, we say, oh, Lord, I bless you and I, I praise you. You're so wonderful and you're so marvelous and you're so awesome and so great and so grand. And then we look at man and say, you. Man. I ain't going there. I ain't going to repeat those words. I'm going to call nobody method, okay? But we do. But when we do that, God created that man. I had someone tell me this one day. He said, yeah, God created him. He didn't make him like that. <laughs> well, he created him in his image. But how much have we promised him as well? Okay? But he's created in the likeness of, of, of God, and we need to remember that. Uh, we, blur, we bless God, we curse men who are made in God's likeness. In verse 10, it says, a blessing and a cursing from the same mouth. These ought not to be. And we just read that again over the book of Romans. A blessing and cursing from the same mouth. It ought not to be. Verse 11, sweet and bitter water does not come from the same fountain. Verse 12, fig tree doesn't produce olive berries, nor does a vine produce figs. Hmm. Everything comes from its own, right? And you don't have salt water and fresh water at the same fountain. Yes, we must treat our tongue just like any other member of our body. Okay? So how do we, how do, we do that? What do we do? Well, I want to tell you something first off. I've got to carry you way back up to verse 8. Let's read verse 8 again. The tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Remember verse 8, part A. The tongue can no man tame. I am a man. I 
cannot tame my tongue. You are a man or a woman. And how God created you, right? And you cannot tame your tongue. But let me tell you something else I can't do. I can't save myself. I can't make myself righteous or holy. Mm. How do I how do I get saved? I get under the blood of Jesus. Or I get in the blood of Jesus. <laughs> so how am I going to control my tongue? I'm going to have to give it to Jesus. I'm going to have to let him have control of that as well as control of any other part of my body. You know, we 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 sometimes think we can we can live all right and do pretty good and, and say whatever we want and we really cannot. Uh, we must treat our tongue just like any other member of our body. We need to surrender it to the Lord. Surrender it to the Lord. Uh, there's, a, there's a little plaque that, that Charlotte has in our house in one of the whatnot chairs. And, and I probably won't quote it exactly, but I read it every day. And I think she did this intentionally. Because when we sit at the table to eat, I always sit. I sit at the head of the table. Or the foot, I've never figured that out. <laughs> I've got my back to the rest of the room, but anyway, I'm facing that wall where that shelf is, so she sits at the other end of the table, and there's a little plaque on there, a cowboy's prayer. Right? <laughs> cowboy's prayer. And I, know, I may not remember exactly word for word, but this is how I wrote it down. Taste your words before you spit them out. Taste your words before you spit them out. I think she put it there strategically for me. <laughs> Taste your words before you spit them out. What if, what if, what if we did this? I want you to think about it. It's just food for thought. What if we prayed before we spoke? Every time, if we prayed before we spoke. And let me give you set number two. What if we didn't speak before we got an answer? <laughs> what if we prayed before we spoke and we didn't speak until God answered our prayer? Say it again, Brother Chief. The Cowboys prayer? Taste your words before you spit them out. What if we prayed before we spoke and what if we didn't speak until God answered our prayer? I want to uh, carry you back just for a moment. James chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, <laughs> but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. To visit the fathers and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. And ladies and gentlemen, if we can't control our tongue, we are spotted by the world. We're spotted by the world. No man can tame the tongue, but God can. God can. And he will. And he does. If we let him. Right? So, I'm going to close with that thought. What if, what if we prayed before we spoke 
And we didn't speak until God answered our prayer. I think we'd say different words. And we'd say them in a different way. And, you know, now I, want you, I want you to understand something. And I, I, don't, want, I don't want anybody to walk around here and be like, well, we're going to read it. You know, it's okay. It's okay to speak against evil. It's okay to speak against wickedness, even in the high places. It's okay to speak against wrongdoing, and it's okay to do those things. But whatever we do, we need to do it with the right attitude, the right heart, the right spirit. The right attitude, the right heart, the right spirit. And the right spirit is that we know and we believe that God can do anything. 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 We're going to have time to meditation. What's our number, Jim? 455. 455. Let's stand together as we say it.